Here we go. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. So we began Simon Sadi Dollar last week. Simon Sadi Dollar, as the title uh, shows, uh, the discussion, the halachis of when someone sticks a milchik spoon into a fleshik pot. So in Sif Aleph, which was last week's discussion, we went through the common questions that a Rav would ask if someone asked him this question that they stuck the wrong spoon in the wrong in the in the other pot. So first of all, we're always going to think about bittel pashishim. Maybe you have sixty times the spoon in the pot itself in the contents of the pot. Of course, we have to think if it's ena uh, binyayma if you know the spoon, the pot, and that will be what we'll discuss today in the base of Kimmel. And last week we focused on how much blio went out of the spoon. You stuck a spoon into the uh, into the pot. How much went out? So we paskin halachalamaisa that only the amount that was actually in in the uh, in the liquid, the the part that's sticking out, the handle would not be a problem unless it's hot. If it's hot, then you have to think about sixty times that entire amount. We got into other other discussions of cham mitzasei, cham kuloi. But for our discussion, the Rav is going to ask you how much was in the liquid, and he'll probably ask, did you, did you leave it in long enough that the spoon became hot? And if he did, then we have to have 60 times the spoon in the food in order for the food to still be mutter. Okay, let's jump to Sivbeis. Sivbeis. And, and this is a, so when you learn the simon, you think, okay, sticking a spoon into a pot should be very simple. Shishim, ben figure it out. Why is there a whole simon? So each sif has its own chiddush, so to say. Sif beis, you'll see a fascinating chiddush from the Shulchan Aruch. And tochav hakaf bekdera shnei pa'amim. Let's say you stick the spoon into the pot, shnei pa'amim, two times. You did it once, did it twice, and then you ask a shayla. V'loi noida bin time. You did not know in between these uh, two uh, scoopings of the contents that there was a problem here. So you stuck in... Meaning you're calling the Rav after you've already used the spoon a few times. You used the spoon, you, 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 you uh, dished out some meatballs, this milchik ladle, and you dished it out again, second serving, then you realize, wait, this is a milchik ladle. So according to the Shulchan Aruch, you need two times shishim in the meatballs against the soup ladle. Now why is that? Why would you need two times 60? Don't we always go... Shishim, 60 to 1, that's all we need. Why do you need 2 times 120, so to say, to 1? It's not exactly, but it's about 120 to 1. So why is that necessary? So the way that Achrenim explained the Shulchan Aruch is that let's, let's review what happened here. You had a milchig ladle, and you stuck it into a fleshig soup. So you have meatballs, and the milchig ladle goes in it. It's ben We definitely have a problem in the... Uh, in, in the spoon itself. But what happened? The dairy, the dairy that's inside the ladle went into the meatballs. Now that's bottled into the meatballs, right? However, who knows if all the dairy actually went into the meatballs. Maybe there's still some remaining in the ladle. Now that ladle has dairy in it, but now it met some meatballs. There's meatball bleo in this in this in the uh, ladle as well. So when you take it out and put it back in, you now have a new buster bechal of issue in the ladle. And when you stick it back in, you need bittel against this new bleo. So you need bittel against the original dairy going into the meatballs. The 
the meatballs are definitely going into the spoon. And maybe there's still some milk that wasn't uh, spread out into the rest of the pot. There's still some dairy left in the ladle. And now it just uh, was introduced to meatballs. You have basa b'chala of blia in your ladle. So when you stick it back in again, you have to, uh, you need bittel one more time. So you need bittel 60 to 1, and another time 60 to 1. That's the psak of, of the Shulchan Aruch. So, there's two things here. Number one, he holds you need shishim twice, but he says it's only in a situation of a loinoidabintayim. You do not have awareness in between. But it seems like if you had that awareness in between, then all you need is one time shishim. Why is that? So I want to give an example of of uh, what we would call choizavinir and some of the other halachas. Just to, and we'll, we'll come back to this. The halacha is that let's say you had a drop of milk fell into chalent. Okay, you're drinking a coffee and you're checking out the chalent Friday afternoon to see if it looks good and you get a phone call. You, some of the coffee spilled into the chalent. You call your rav, he tells you, no problem, it's bato bashishim. You try to you do it again, same thing happens, you're looking at it again and another drop of coffee spills into the chalent. So everyone agrees, as long as you have, in halacha, as long as you have 60 times chalent to all the milk that fell in, then, then, then there wouldn't be a problem. Not only that, even if you don't have against all the milk, but that first milk that fell in, we say it became kosher, it no longer retains its status of milk. So even if there's a subsequent spilling in there, there, there would not be a new, a new iser. Now, that's only true that there, when there was a yediyah bin tayim, you knew about it in between. But let's say you spilled two drops of milk, one after another, you need to have shishim against each one. It doesn't help to only have shishim against one of them. Why? It's a special din that if time, if you did not know about it in between, then we don't have this din of bittal. You don't have the halachas of, of, of bittal. So, other, the other, another way of explaining it is that if you did not yet have bittal, then choyzer then that milk that fell in, even though really it should have been bottled the first time, let's say a fellow did not have a shaila in between. He, he, he spilled milk twice. This is the way we're presenting it based on the sif. He, he spilled milk twice. So even though the first drop was bottle, let's say he had 61 ounces and he only had one ounce of milk. So the first ounce that goes in is bottle, there's 60 times that amount. But since he didn't know in between, when he spills another drop of milk, they attach to each other, chayzevenir, it reawakens. And now you don't have bittal, you need 120 to 1 because you have 2 ounces of milk in this mixture of 61 ounces. This is called chayzevenir. So another example we see this is, let's say, in Hilchus... Uh, so so, so are, you, are you saying bittal does not work without idea? Yeah. It's not, it, you need a idea to trigger bittal. This is the this is a famous uh, sheet of the Mechaber. It, it really comes up in other sugyas. He alludes to it. And yeah, in fact, that's how the Shulchanar holds. It's actually a kula the other way. Uh, a kula would be, let's say, we'll give an example of yogurt. You have a company that makes kosher yogurt and non-kosher yogurt. Now, non-kosher yogurt contains gelatin. Uh, gelatin, we, we have a whole shear on it, what the shitas are regarding gelatin. Let's assume gelatin is 100% trafe, non-kosher gelatin. Now, the gelatin makes the yogurt non-kosher. And nobody would argue that that's called a davar hamaymid. The gelatin is stabilizing the yogurt. That's called a davar hamaymid. It's, it's there. And even if you had 
a thousand pounds of milk and a, a small amount of gelatin, the gelatin's not bottle. That's the halacha. And, and, but however, that will not answer the kalim. It's a it, why because you have sixty times milk to the gelatin, but you don't have but and therefore the kalim aren't an issue. But the yogurt itself, there's a special din called davar hamaimid, the stabilizer. The item that's holding it together is treif. You can't say bittel, so you can't eat the yogurt. But the kalim are fine. You can use the kalim for both kosher and non-kosher. There's no problem. However, some companies, the way they make it is they first put the gelatin in the we'll call it the pasteurizer in the in the um, in the tanks, and it's hot. They put a little bit of milk to start mixing it around, but you don't have a huge vat of milk against the gelatin. You only have a small amount of milk, and at that stage, you don't have 60 times milk, 60 parts milk to one part gelatin. When they finish the production, you're going to have a thousand times milk to one part gelatin. But in that initial stage, when they have that premix, they, what they, that's what they call it, a premix, if it's hot at the premix stage, you have Isser, and you have Vela that it's Isser now. You need 60 times the premix, not 60 times the gelatin. So, therefore, many Hashkachos simply just kosher. However, Rav Belsky, Zetzal, one of his chuvas, he says that this would be a great example of Loi Noida Bein We didn't know, meaning, it might have been Mashkiach there, don't look, but basically, there is no Yedia Bein It's one continuous flow. Yes, they do the premix, and then 10 seconds later, they add it in, but we, could, we should call that one continuous flow. And Lekula, we should say there was no Yedia Bein to create Chatichanas Nevela, meaning Chatichanas Nevela needs to be a Psak, that here we did not have Bittel, all of it became Usr, and now we need 60 times this new premix. But if we didn't have the Yedia, we didn't know about it, it's one big mixture, one long continuous flow, and therefore he held make so her well, We know, we know, we see it in the process. We're not there. No, we're not there. No, it's, it's, so you never have it here. You never. When do you ever know what's there? If you have no hechsha, correct. No, so that usually know. doesn't help us here by chatichanas nevela by shari surim, where in order to create that it's a chanan, you need to have a psak, so to say, a psak that this was iser. Now I need sixty times this psak. I didn't have a psak. It's one long continuous uh, flow. One, one so long it's continuous. any time it's less than shishim. Just don't know that. Because <laughs> you're never going to have He's never going to become... Oh, uh, awesome. No, when you have bit... What's the case? If I, if I have a shila in front of me and it's bottle, so I have the idea right now, I'm pasking it's bottle. Here, we're, he's bringing a kula that even, th- even though you could theoretically view it as there's iser, and now once there's iser, I have chatichanas and avela, the stabilizer premix is all usser. And even if I add a lot of milk and make kosher yogurt, it's not gonna help. It's not kosher because the 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 kalim became usser from this from this yogurt. He's saying that since there was no yudia, it's one continuous flow, one continuous uh, production, and therefore it never became chatichanas and avela. Okay, so that's just the same lumdus lahaka. But going back to our case, oh, one step before our, our case. In Hilchas Chametz, this is a classic uh, example. A good example would be Hilchas Chametz. The halacha is that before Pesach, let's say you had a uh, you're making ketchup or something, and you took wheat vinegar by mistake, and you put wheat vinegar in 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 the ketchup. Now let's assume we don't know, but let's assume the wheat vinegar is batal b'shishim. It's probably not, but let's say it will be batal b'shishim in the ketchup. It's only one percent of the volume in the ketchup. As long as this was packaged before Pesach, the halacha is the ketchup is kosher. There's no problem. Now, should he give a hasher on it? 
service, uh, not, probably not, not a good idea, but halachically, as long as the chametz was added before Pesach, and it was in fact batal b'shishim, it's batal, you're allowed to eat it on Pesach, there's no problem. On Pesach itself, if you were making this same uh, item on Pesach, and even uh, 0.01% of the mixture is chametz, the halach is chametz is asr b'mashahu on Pesach. On Pesach itself, chametz is asr even b'mashahu. So the question is, well, if chametz is asr b'mashahu, so then even the ketchup that was made before Pesach, on Pesach itself, there's still a mashu of chametz in here. So why, why don't we say that uh, I, I should not be able to eat it on Pesach? So the halach is, since it was bottled before Pesach, it was bottled already. So so there is no, there is no, uh, there's no iser of eating it because it was bottled before Pesach. It's but not here. It's not, you can say it's not here or the like. There's, the, there's an exception to this rule, and that is when you have yavesh be yavesh. If you have dry items within dry items, an example that the Paiskin discussed way back was you had rice and you had uh, wheat kernels. Perhaps that was the original you know, issue of kidneys, where you had chametz and, and, uh, and, and kosher Pesach. So over there, even if you had 100 times kosher Pesach against the one chametz item, even though really it should be batol, batol if you have it in front of you on Pesach, we say chayzevinir, that it's, it still exists, and therefore, if someone ate that item that had a little bit of chametz in there, but it was a it was a solid, it was a bunch of solids together, there would be an iser of eating chametz on Pesach. This is what the person call chayzevinir. That since it's still around, it could be chayzevinir. So, what's a good example of this? So, an example would be would be uh, you have rice cereal. So many many people they serve rice cereal to their infants, the Gerber rice cereal, and to my knowledge, there isn't an equivalent product that's kosher le Pesach on the market. So many ask, can they serve, can they use rice cereal on Pesach? Now, obviously, rice is kidneys. The halacha is that kidneys is only a minog, and therefore you're allowed to feed kidneys to your children, young children for sure, even older children, uh, you know, eight, nine years old, if that's all they eat, some place can make for them to eat rice, but definitely to feed a, a, a toddler rice cereal would be mutter on Pesach. However, the question is, is this kosher Pesach? Is there a chametz issue? Ignoring the kidneys, we don't care about kidneys right now. Is there chametz? So the issue there is that the rice cereal is very often packaged on the same equipment as oat flakes, oat cereal. Now, from an allergen standpoint, as long as the oats are gluten-free, there's no allergy carryover. So the companies don't have to be so mockbed how they clean in between. Many years ago, we actually we would actually be more lenient when oats used to be assumed to contain gluten. That was because it was often grown and processed on the same equipment as other grains. So everyone assumed oats also contained gluten. So if you had a gluten-free uh, uh, allergy disclaimer, we would assume there was no oats run on it. But now that they've they've learned how to grow gluten-free oats and how to process it, you could have companies that are gluten-free but they can still be chametz, they have oats in it. An example would be almond flour. So almond flour for Pesach really shouldn't be an issue. However, let's say you had almond flour being run on the same equipment as, as, uh, as oat flour. They don't have to declare it on the allergy statement because the oat flour was gluten-free, and you could theoretically have almond flour being run on oat flour. However, with almond flour, the Mishabura says that flour, since it's so thin, that's considered lach balach. It's considered... Uh, like a liquid, it's a mixture, and according to the Mishabura, forget about kashrus chumras. According to the Mishabura, you'd be allowed to buy almond flour 
without a hashgacha for Pesach, because any oat flour that would be in there will be batal v'shishim before Pesach. And because it's a liquid, it's not a liquid actually, but because it's flour, it's lach balach, it's as if it's a liquid, and it'll be batal before Pesach, and we don't say chayzeh v'nir on Pesach. It's batal v'shishim before Pesach, there will be no issue. However, the oat flakes, they're not, it's not fine, it's not a flour, it's a flake. And the Paiskim said that, that you cannot say that same svara when it comes to oat flakes. You cannot say uh, that it's lach balach, that it's so thin it's like a liquid, that it totally gets uh, mixed in. And you would have to be chayshish that maybe there's one, even if it's one piece of oat, of an oat flake in your cereal, it would be chayzeh veneer on Pesach. And you would uh, be serving your child uh, chametz. It's only also midrabanan because midrabais is about the bashisha midrabanan even a mashu. But there will be a problem using it on Pesach. So that's an example of chayzevinir. That that if there was no bittel, so to say, we didn't paskin that there's bittel here because it's a yavish biyavish. There will be no bittel and chayzevinir on Pesach. Just by the way, with the oat, the oat cereal, there's two reasons to be makel. Reason number one is that it's only sorry that it's only a uh, it's only a suffix. And the halacha is suffik mashahu. Many places can hold that if it's a suffik mashahu, it's a suffik if there's anything in here, meaning chametz is really batal b'shishim. We are concerned lechumra, even a little bit amount is also aser, but that is really only aser midrabana. Midrabana says there's no time, if there's no taste, it's batal. So this whole iser is only if there's a mashahu, even if there's a mashahu. And in our case of Gerber cereal, it's only a suffik. We don't know that there are any oat flakes in here. So it would be a suffake mashu, suffake derabana lakula, especially when it comes to uh, children's uh, food, and many places can make with that svara. Additionally, even if there was for sure some oat flakes left in from a previous mixture, the company packaged uh, 10,000 pallets of these products over the course of a few weeks after running oat flakes. So the one that you have, we would say, it's called a parish, meruba parish. You could assume that you got from the 99% that did not contain oat flakes, and called a parish would work even with chametz. And that'll be another reason why people are mako. So if someone has a you know infant and they needs the oat cereal, that would, that would be fine. Not the oat cereal, the rice cereal uh, that might have an oat flake in it. So for one of two reasons would be mako. But I just wanted to bring out that without those svaras, if you were going to the factory itself to take some of it, you have the question of of um, of Chayzevenir, that it came back alive. So according to the Shochanara, going back to what we're holding, if if you didn't know about the, the, the bittel beforehand, when you add, when you put the spoon back in, you are adding more treif to this component, to this uh, meatballs. Not only did it have a blea of milk, now it has a blea of basar b'chalav because the meat went into the spoon, and now the spoon is spitting out basar b'chalav, and you will need to have another, an additional bittel an, another shishim against the spoon. So according to the Shulchan Aruch, you would call your Rav, you would call your Sephardic rabbi, and he would, the, the, the Maran, he would tell you that, he would ask you how many times did you use the spoon? Did you stick it in once? Then you need 60 times the spoon. Did you stick it in twice? You need 120 times that, uh, uh, th- th- that spoon. Okay. Now, there is a machlekes in the achrenim. We're not going. It's it's, late, it's a little bit late, so we're not going to go into the discussion. The achrenim discuss: What if you stuck it in three, four, five, six, seven, hundred times? Does it stop at two, or every single time? There's perhaps a new chaticha nasas nevela. That's machlekes shach and the uh, and the chavas das. I think the svarim are on that as well. That 
up to two times what the, what the Shulchan Aruch said. You don't have to go any further. Now, for the first time, I think, so far in Shulchan Aruch, we have the Roma being Makel here. Not the first time, but one of the first, uh, one of the, the few times we see that the Rama is more Makel than the Mechaber. And the Rama here says that Many hold, there are those that hold that it's enough to have simply have 60 times the original amount. And that's our minog. And the truth is, the way the Truma Sadashin says it and other Achorinim, we never heard a rabbi asking, asking uh, how many times did you stick in the spoon? You need, if you have 60 times the spoon, we have bittel, you don't have to figure out how many times. And the question is why? Meaning that's the minog, and that's halacha lemaisa of Ashkenazim. We don't care about two times, three times. Why is that? So there's a, there are a few different reasons brought down. Number one, perhaps we don't say, this is going back to what we learned previously, we don't say chaticha nasa novela in the keli itself, only when there's a there's a there's milk and meat that we see getting mixed together, then we say this became a new iser. But if it's simply blias, maybe you don't say chaticha nasa novela. There's another reason to say that um, once you already had basubhalav, meaning... We had a machlekes. What is chaticha nasa nevela? It's really based on the Gemara. The Gemara says that if I had milchiks, if I had dairy, I had cheese and meat, and now they came together, so I need sixty in order, for, and then they fell into a mixture. I need sixty times this new chevtsa de isura called baser b'chalav. And think about it. Each one independently is kosher. You don't need bittel against kosher. I need bittel against a new baser b'chalav. So everyone agrees. That basa b'chalav, when it's mixed together, you had milk that was kosher, meat that was kosher, cook it together, that creates basa b'chalav. If that would fall into a pot of soup, you need 60 times the full basa b'chalav. What if I already had basa b'chalav and I simply added new things to it, even if I added meat? So you had a cheeseburger and you, or, or uh, meatballs with cream in, cream. So you had a chefza of basa b'chalav and you simply added more milk. I didn't create a new Isser of Basa B'chalav now. I already had the Isser of Basa B'chalav, and it simply made the milk also uh, Basa B'chalav. But I didn't create Basa B'chalav in this milk. I already had Basa B'chalav in front of me. So that's a machlaikis. Do we say Chaticha Nas Nevela on the other part? So over here, maybe once you already created Basa B'chalav in the pot, you wouldn't have Chaticha Nas Nevela in the spoon. That's consideration number two. And the third consideration, which is what we've, uh, we've mentioned before, so it's a good Chazara, is that when the spoon is in the pot, so let's think about it. Yeah, milchik spoon, milchik ladle, you put it into a fleshik pot. When it's in the pot, it's one big mixture. It's called makusher. It's all attached to each other. So when whatever's happening in the pot is happening in the spoon. The only time you're going to have a situation where we would view the spoon independently and judge it is when you took it out of the pot. Because when it's in the pot, you have 150 ounces of meatballs, maybe one ounce of volume, you know, one fluid ounce of the volume of the spoon. You have bitto. There will be no issue. It's one big chalet. When I remove the spoon, then I can say, okay, now the spoon is no longer attached to the meatballs. How much meat went into the spoon? How much milk was remaining? And yes, that's when you would have had this question of, do I have chaticha nas nevela in the spoon? But once I remove the spoon from the meatballs, What's the status of the spoon? Many places can hold the status of the spoon is a klisheni because it's no longer being heated up by the pot. When you remove the spoon, it has a status of a klisheni. We don't necessarily paskin like this, 
But, for example, the Mishabur in Hilchah Shabbos brings it down to, as a tziruf, his class, the classic example he gives is, let's say you had bread, or you had baked croutons, and you want to put it in your soup on Shabbos. So we do hold, Ashkenazim hold, yesh bishel acharafia. And even though the bread was baked already, the matzah was baked, when you put it in your soup, you are cooking it on Shabbos, and you should not do that unless it's in a klishlishi. The soup bowl is really a klisheni, a pot, ladle, soup. But the Mishnah says, since many places can hold, that the ladle is considered a klisheni once it's removed from the soup. So your bowl is a klishlishi, and you can add the croutons to your bowl. He only allows it because perhaps ain't bishalacharafia, but you, with two two he's mekel. Same thing would apply over here. The way that Achronim say, since there are numerous svaras to say that the, there was no new chatichanas in the veil and the ladle, that's why the Ramah is mekel, the sagi b'pam achas shishim, and v'cheinoyin, that is our minog. So for the most part, a rav is not going to ask you, Ashkenazim, I didn't go look through all the contemporary Svaradish Shepaiskim, but in the Ashkenazi world, we never heard of this. Nobody asks, how many times did you dip it in? They want to simply know, what were you cooking, you know, when the last time the ladle was used? But if you have 60 times the ladle, the food is kosher, the pot is fine, you could eat and enjoy. There's one exception that some Shepaiskim would say, and I'm just throwing it, throwing this out there, it might come up. That is, if the ladle was full of meatballs, and maybe there's a little bit of cheese there, and you removed it, and it still has some basar on it, and you put it back in, then maybe you need a new shishim against what you pull back in. Meaning up until now, we've been talking about blias. Blias, you could talk about klisheni, blah, blah, blah. But when you put actual food back in, that might be an issue. So depending on the case, you'll have some person will ask you that question. When you pulled it out, where there's still food remaining on it, that food might have the status of because maybe when you removed it, you would have a little bit of milk still left on. But that that, that would be the one exception. Halacha the way uh, we learned it in yeshiva, this would not be an issue as well. The When it's in the pot, you have makusher, you have 60 times the meatballs against the spoon. Once you remove it, the blia in the spoon is a klisheni, and it's not going to come out, and you will never have an issue. Okay, let's see Siv Gimel. So Sif Gimel seems to be a very easy Sif. Let's say you had 60 times meatballs to the uh, milchik ladle. The pot, the meatballs, mutarim. You can eat it, no problem. But the ladle, asura, it's asur, because you didn't have 60 times of the meatballs in your ladle. Your ladle is a small little ladle. So the ladle was milchiks. You'd stuck it into meatballs in a clear reshine. You definitely need to kasher your ladle. Bein you cannot use a bein imbasser, bein imchalov. Mafisha shehi balu mi basser bechalov. It's bolea mi basser bechalov. He'll be the eved, but the eved isaras imchaser v'tachvu basser bein bechalov. He would use it five minutes later in your kitchen. You're going to make things also because this is a ladle of basser bechalov. Kozman shehi basiyim. Of course, as long as it's benyamim v'mein shishim. If you don't have shishim against the ladle, hakal aser bahana, everything's aser afilak teira, even the pot. Then he says a chiddush, achmuter lasin l'seicha peros oitzayin kaven sheein and nehenem migufa iser. But you're allowed to put fruits or cold items into the pot, not a liquid. But let's say you want to use apples or pears in the pot, you could do that because that's not called having hana from the blia of iser. Okay, just to point out one thing, he said 
Now, let's say you took the ladle and you put it into a, into the meatballs, and you don't have and and, and sorry, and the, and the the ladle was a ben yoimoy melchiks. So now the ladle needs to be kosher. Everyone agrees to that. But he says, even if you stuck it into something, but the Yevit is going to answer the other item. And the question is, if I had meatballs on a rolling boil, it was hot, I took the ladle, which had milchiks in it, and I stuck it in. Now, I agree there's definitely meatballs in this ladle. Why don't we say that the, the, um, the meatballs, that pot, kashered my ladle from milchiks? Meaning, I agree, it's fleshics. You captured it with fleshics. When I stuck it into the meatballs, it's a rolling boil, there's a lot of juice, tomato sauce. Maybe the tomato sauce captured my ladle, and therefore if I stick it into a, another fleshic pot, it shouldn't be a problem. Now, of course, when I can't stick it into milchics, it's definitely fleshics. But maybe it should have captured from the milchic blia in this, in this ladle. So this raises the question of what we know as hagala bishar mashkim. Kashering in other liquids. We know from the psukim, it has to be yavoy b'mayim. It has to be kashered with water. The question is, can you kasher with other liquids? Let's say the Nadi has this discussion. He's talking about uh, people who were stuck, stuck somewhere and they didn't have any water. They only had beer or whatever they had. Can you kasher with beer? Can you kasher your, uh, your sink for Pesach with, uh, with wine? I don't know. If you don't have water, you only have milk, you only have... Can you kasher with Shamashkim? Now, where does this come up? When, does, when do we care about Sharmashkim? So it comes up, in our case, obviously. It also comes up in situations where a company will only use water when they have a, a, a chemical in there. They have water treatment chemical, and they only want to use water with water treatment chemicals. Does that create being kashering with Sharmashkim? Or let's say you want to kasher your dishwasher. We spoke about kashering dishwashers. Let's say you're going with the, the lenient opinions. But you want to kosher with soap. You only have time to do run, one run, and you want to run with soap. Is soap in the water, cons- make, does that make it considered shamashkim? That it's no longer water, it's soap water, it's chemicals, it's sanitizer. It's not koshering with water. The most famous example of this is koshering chocolate factories. If it come up in different uh, different ways, usually it's going from dairy to parv, or perhaps from chal of stam to chal of Yisrael, or, or in far flung countries from chal of akum to chal of Yisrael. The chocolate companies will never allow water, in never say never, but they typically will not allow water into their facilities. If you Google it, if you add, if you put water into melted chocolate, it becomes like a dough. You can't use it; it ruins the equipment. They will never do it. Additionally. Chocolate uh, does not corrode the equipment. So a lot of the equipment is not stainless steel. So usually in factories, in, in food production, they use stainless steel because it's non-corrosive. But chocolate, by nature, is fat. You don't need to use stainless steel. So they use much cheaper, thin uh, kalim, which cannot hold 212-degree water. You cannot kosher a chocolate factory with water. So what do people do? Now, the OU has, an, has the opinion that you cannot kosher with, with chocolate. Some will kosher with chocolate. Let's run chocolate at 200 degrees, and we'll kosher with chocolate. The OU holds you cannot, in many parts of the world, you cannot kosher with chocolate, and we'll talk, talk about it in a minute. And because of that, you will see that the OU, many of their products that contain chocolate, they write OUD on it. And if you call them up, they'll tell you there's actually dairy in there. Now, sometimes there is dairy. There's butter, there's cream, there's milk fat. You read the ingredients, but sometimes it's a chocolate chip that has... Cocoa butter, which is not butter, it's cocoa butter. 
sugar and salt. That's it. There's nothing in there. It's a regular chocolate chip, and yet it says OUD, and they are claiming that it's dairy. So they're going to tell you, well, it was not kosher in between. What does the company do? They do a flush of chocolate, and then they do allergy swabbing. So they swab for dairy. There's no dairy in it. They could, they could uh, uh, sell it without an allergy declaration, or it may say, may contain milk. But halachically, it was never cleaned, it was never kashered, and therefore we're going to call it dairy. However, from a halacha standpoint, from a shulchan standpoint, you had, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of, of, of products to the one dairy uh, in residue, and therefore halachically, you could hold, we call it dairy bottle. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a few examples. You have some chocolates that are, you know, 85% cocoa, and there's, there's very little, there's no other ingredients. It's, it's literally just chocolate. There's nothing else in there. There's no butter, there's no milk fat. Those halachli would be considered parv. You could have um, frozen kind bars. This is one of the common questions I'm asked. So kind bars, they make a frozen product, and it has chocolate in there, and the OU calls it OUD. But halachically, those that know the, the sugya, they will tell you that any dairy that would be in there would be bottle the LF. The OU does not allow them to say parv on it because the chocolate is coming from a factory that does not clean in between dairy and parv. They don't kosher, they don't clean, and they will not. They cannot call it parv. And if, if I was giving Ashkach, I'd also say may contain dairy. I can't call it parv 100%. But from halacha standpoint, the shulchan aruch, it would be considered parv. So the question is, can we kosher with chocolate? Let's say we don't want to call it dairy. We keep Chal Yisrael. We're in Belgium somewhere, in Switzerland. We want it to be Chal Yisrael Mamish. How do I kosher it? So, Dayan Vestheim Zetzal, he had a psak that he would kosher with chocolate. And again, it was probably in a benyoyme, whatever it was, he was koshering with chocolate. Others did not allow it. And they had a few uh, tainas. Taina number one is our sugya. This is called koshering with shamashkim. You're using non-water, non you're not using water to kasher, you're using chocolate to kasher. Who says you're allowed to kasher with shamashkim? That is ha'ora number one. Ha'ora number two, I heard from Ravelski and other, other paiskim, that who said chocolate is considered mashke? Forget about shamashke. Who says chocolate is mashke itself? Chocolate is a solid at room temperature. You have to heat it up to melt it, but that's not called mashke. And who says you're allowed to kasher with, uh, with chocolate? And therefore... If you see an OU product, uh, OU chocolate, they do not allow them to kosher with chocolate. They will they use like uh, oils. Oh, so so no, we the same thing. It'd be kosher with shamash it doesn't help you. What uh, what the what some of the hashkachos do? One of two things: either they do a libun, which most companies will not allow them to do it, but you're literally taking a torch and you're torching the sides of the uh, torching the, the equipment. Others, I think near Batarav and and Volivarav, what they do is they arrange again. You have to have a big enough customer that that um, that helps you know the finances and make, it makes sense for the company to do this. But they shut down the company, shut it down, cash it with water. I the company doesn't want water in their equipment. They run uh, palm oil or some other uh, oil through the equipment that would absorb any water, any any water residue and I guess sell it or do something with it. But then the company was comfortable, okay, now we could run chocolate on it. So they did a real kashering with Hagala, 212 degrees, and then they had to do some you know, patent to get rid of all this water 
that's in the facility that the company doesn't want to see water. So that's a, a challenge of, of making uh, make, making power of chocolate. So the truth is most of the OU power of chocolate that you see on the market, the chocolate chips, they, they are made in, 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 in factories that are that are consistently and dedicated to doing parv. It's very difficult to switch from parv to dairy. Paschkas has been doing this for 50 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So Paschkas has been doing with kashmir with chocolate. The, the Paschkas with the Diane Westheim hashkacha, they've historically kashmir with chocolate. I don't know what they do now. Now they have a new uh, Rafa Machshir, Rabbi Landau's uh, son from Eretzisov, from Bnei Brak. He took over as Rafa Machshir. It could be he, he changed their policy, but Historically, that's what they did. They kashered with uh, with chocolate, and there are chuvas that that uh, backed it up. Now, for the American Jew, what are you kashering from? You're kashering from Chol of Stam to Chol of Yisrael. Okay, well, we, we don't really care so much. So, however you figured out how to kasher it, we'll eat the pashkas. But for some people, they hold it. No, I mean kashering from Chol of Akam. This is a machalos of suris. I don't uh, I don't want any of this in my product. I want to make sure you have a full a full kashering. So, if someone eats Hershey's, how would it affect if like a Hershey's is real dairy? Hershey's chocolate, and now you want to run power of chocolate jelly rings, whatever the chocolate that they use for those. Yeah, so they would either have to have dedicated equipment, or they're not going to shut down the, the factory for one guy. But if you find a small uh, producer in Belgium or something who's making chocolates for, uh, and, and he has an importer from Eretz Yisrael who's going to order, you know, uh, millions of dollars of product, so yes, he, 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 it would make sense for him to, to do this cashiering procedure. But you're right, the big companies are not shutting down to do uh, to do any kashering at all. No, they, they wouldn't even let you do your own formula. They have what they make, you want it, take it or leave it. That that's how they that's how they um they do business. How hot does the milk chocolate get when they make it? I have no clue. When they kasher with chocolate, they're kashering kibola uh, kapolta, whatever. They're definitely kashering to some degree. Another hatter that some use again, this is not something we would do lechatchila, but let's say you had a company that did grape juice on their equipment, hot grape juice, and they always run apple juice at a higher temperature, maybe the apple juice is also a kashering. So this also brings up this question of Hagala Bashar Mashkim. So some places can say, you see from our sif that Hagala Bashar Mashkim does not work because if it worked, then the ladle, although it's flashic, should, not, should no longer have a blia of milchiks. And therefore, when you stuck it into a subsequent uh, flashic dish, it should not have ostered it because it's only flashic. It, it was kashered in the meatballs. Others say, don't bring a riot from here. First of all, who said that the meatballs were so hot? Maybe it was 170 degrees, and Hagala needs to be 212. That's number one. Number two, it's it's maybe the day toys to tell people that, oh, when you made something tray, if you also kashered it, it's way too confusing, so don't bring a raya from here regarding uh, regarding kashering Bashar Mashkim. So uh, just to round it off, there are a few other cases that come up, common examples that, that Rabbanim asked regarding our simon. One of them would be if someone took a fleshic spoon and mixed their coffee uh, that had milk in it. So would that be would that be that's a question? Would that be an issue? So over there you had that the coffee is in a klisheni, so it helps. Depending on how much coffee and how big the spoon is, you might even have bittel bashishim against the spoon. In most situations, since the spoon is uh, you know metal, stainless steel, the rub would just say simply just kasha the spoon. It's very simple, very easy. But the coffee mug is fine. It's a cliche. Does it make a difference uh, when the spoon was used? Yeah, yeah. So the spoon wasn't used in 24 hours, so then the coffee's for sure fine. But even if the spoon was used, uh, even if the spoon wasn't used in 24 hours, the spoon now has a blia of of milk or coffee. So, so in mo- most situations, uh, you're going to think about cliche and and the like. 
Uh, Rob would yeah, also take a coffee. Because Klishen is not Bolea or Mavlia either. No? So that's only Bidiavid. Bidiavid, we say it's not Bolea or Mavlia. But and some hold that Kashering is still called Lechatchila to Kasher the one spoon. So then we would Kasher. Um, Rob would also think about maybe it's not Yatsaleb's boy, depending how hot your coffee is by the time you put milk in it. And by the time you sat down to drink it, it might not be Yatsaleb's boy. That would be another, another consideration. What often happens. And if we, we learn Simina Kofalif, I believe Kofalif Kofalif together, what often happens is that they had a spoon, they had a shayla, and now the spoon went back into the drawer. So they had it on the side to ask the rabbi. Clean lady came, her husband, wife came, and put it back in the drawer with everything else. So at this point, each spoon is a suffix uh, if it was ever trade from the first place. So on that level, you really could be mako, and many places are mako, that you would not have to start kashering all your spoons. Some argue that it's a davar sheish dematiran kasher all the spoons. So maybe there's no bittel on that spoon. The mechaber there says it's a tircha. It seems like it's a tircha to kasher. If you remember from uh, Rav Shechter, when Rav Shechter came to Nerlumeo, he quoted from a salvechik that the mechaber, the Beis Yosef lives in Svas, and there to go to the well to get water and heat it up. So that was a whole big tircha. But today, Rav Salvechik held it. No, you have a pot, take a pot, fill it with water, and put 20 spoons in the pot. What's the big deal? To kosher spoons. Not everyone goes with that, but that was his uh, his, his, his chumrah, so to say, that the halacha changed. That halacha back then was a tircha to kosher all the spoons. But if you mixed up all the spoons together, you would kosher your 10 spoons. Big deal. Get a soup pot, boil it up, and throw in 10 spoons. Most most of the... Uh, the Maria Hara or Mako, if the spoon was mixed in with other other spoons and you don't know which one it is, you could be Mako. First of all, you have so many different heterum depending on Ben Yoyma, Ina Ben Yoyma, and Ava Suffolk. So therefore, uh, the Pisgim would be Mako on, on that case as well. Okay, we'll stop here. Oh,